The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Devo. I feel like I do after making out with somebody. (laughs) After a long make-out session. Emotional. Some of the time you don't know if you're going to get through it. And then it ends up good in the end. That's a horrible analogy, but uh, that, I mean, seriously, that could be a season-saving hit by Salvador Perez and a season-saving victory by the Royals. Wow. Welcome into another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Devo with your dish on a completely bizarre and emotional roller coaster of a day as a Kansas City Royals fan. Seriously, th- this day has just been up and down, up and down, with more downs than ups, but we end in an up fashion, which is good. The Royals win 5-4, to four, hitting two home runs, which accounted for four of their five runs. A night after they had 11 singles out of 13 hits with no home runs. It had been three and a half games since the Royals last went yard until Eric Hosmer did in the first inning on the first pitch he saw tonight. And then, of course, Salvi, definitely the biggest hit of the year, no doubt. And the Royals win despite two potentially very damaging injuries as well, which we're going to talk about more a bit later. We'll give you our thoughts on that. We'll also preview Detroit, so hang with us here on this edition of The Dish. Lots to get to, but let's start with the Royals winning in their biggest come-from-behind fashion in the ninth inning this year, obviously. I mean, Salvador Perez, a three-run homer that remained fair by probably 10 feet. It got out of the park and over the glove by maybe eight feet. I mean, it was just barely out. But it didn't matter. It got the job done. The Royals needed something like that. After some bad luck, they've had some bad luck. I mean, look at Danny Valencia last night hitting a laser shot to the right center gap against McGee last night that would have tied the game, brought Wade Davison, and changed everything last night. So, you know, the Royals were due for something good to happen right there. Now, first of all, the first thing I want to talk about in this game that stood out to me most, usually we talk all about the Royals. We're kind of self-centered here. And But, I mean, Tampa Bay, I want to give them some big-time credit for their offensive approach against Jordano Ventura tonight. Because I thought Tampa Bay, I thought their, their lineup did a really nice job against Ventura. And even despite all the heaven-on-earth feelings I'm having right now towards the Royals, I do want to also stay even keel, though, and analyze this game fairly, which is what I do for you, hopefully, here in Clubhouse Conversation. I'm not going to – I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid with you. I'm going to be down in the dumps with you. But I'm hopefully going to stay even keeled enough at all times to give you – some things to think about and try to be fair both ways. So a couple of things did bug me, you know, but, but first here, Ventura threw decent tonight. I really thought he did. Didn't have great stuff, but his stuff was explosive enough to get the job done. Didn't have much of a curveball or fastball or excuse me, a changeup. He was primarily a fastball pitcher tonight and Tampa knew it. And I noticed this year teams that have plate discipline against Ventura can usually at least ding him up. They're not going to maul him, but they can ding him up because what they do is they eliminate other pitches and they focus in the middle of the plate. They focus up like Dale Swam always says. They're fourth in the AL and walk. So, you know, a few young players, a few spark plugs, which are good, but they've got some professional bats and some professional hitters from Longoria to Matt Joyce to Loney and on and on. You know, through that lineup, they've got some guys that can really hit. Ben Zobras, Desmond Jennings is still kind of young, but you get the, you get the point. The professional hitters. And, you know, Ventura, five innings, four runs off the Grand Slam, five hits, Five Ks and four walks. Tampa drew walks tonight. They went deep in counts, so Ventura couldn't get real deep into the game. I give Tampa big credit tonight. They did, they did, I mean, they just did a fantastic job. They spit on the pitches that weren't over the middle of the plate and up. They really did. That's how they drew the walks. That's how they took counts deep because Ventura has a dynamite fastball, but Tampa knew for the most part he's a fastball pitcher. They kind of eliminated the other pitches for the most part because he can't command the curveball at a 
there's usually one or two absolute filthy hammers thrown from Ventura on most starts, but you're not going to see him throwing more than four or five really high-quality curveballs in the majority of his outings this year. He has them, but he's not consistent with it, in my opinion, in, in repeating that. So he'll get there, definitely. He'll become that, That's a scary thing with Ventura. He's going to become a lot better than he is, no doubt. I think he's about 65% to what he can be. He's going to be scary good, knock on wood. But give Tampa a tip of the cap for their approach tonight. I do want to do that. Now, KC, meanwhile, here's where we try to be honest with you. Bad approach. They swung at everything tonight. First inning kind of showed you everything you needed to know. I mean, you're going against Josh Cobb. I mean, first inning, what do you do? Ten pitches. That's all you got. And the Royals swung at five that were clearly out of the zone. Now, Eric Hosmer mixed in a home run there on a first pitch. So, other than that, I mean, the nine of the pitches, five of them were out of the zone, and the Royals swung at them. I mean, just awful at bats. Dyson swung it, two changeups down, struck out. Kane, the same thing, two down, struck out. You know, they just, it was a horrible approach from the start. They, they were swinging down. Wait, take some pitches the first time through the order. Make the guy throw some strikes. Wait for the ball up. Look at Tampa. And look at the Royals when they were playing better, when they were winning. You're not going to hit home runs and doubles if you're hacking at everything. Because teams are not going to throw you pitches up in the zone. Besides the occasional mistake. I mean, it's just the Royal. It's almost like the Royals aren't giving them a chance, themselves a chance in a lot of these at bats. We saw Eric Hosmer's. Give him credit tonight, by the way. We we kind of jokingly called him Doug Mankiewicz or Hal Morris last night. He hit a home run tonight. Hit another ball hard into left center with authority. That's great to see. He's drawn some walks. I believe six in his last eight games. He's walking now. He he at least has an approach up there now. I still think he's trying to lunge and take balls to left way too much. He's not. I, that's just my opinion. He's focusing way too much on left field right now. But but beside the fact, at least his approach is getting better. Now, some of these guys are up there just hacking right now, and they're not going to get anything good. I feel like Escobar is in that right now. Billy Butler's been in that mode for quite a while, and that's just another uh, another day. We can talk about that again. We're not talking about that tonight. But So the first inning, I was worried about that. Five of the ten pitches were out of the zone. The Royals swung. Now, the other thing that stood out was Gerard Dyson. We talked last night about how we wanted Dyson in the lineup a lot more. I backed Dyson last night, but tonight he showed – I mean, two different times he had an account of 2-0 and with guys on base. 2-0 count twice. He hacks and grounds out. Understand the kind of player you are, Dyson. You're not there to drive in runs. You're there to get on base. You're ahead to the count 2-0 and two different times with guys on base. You take a strike there. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I understand you want to be aggressive, but this whole be aggressive, your great hitters thing has got to stop. And some of that is from probably from Ned Yost getting a lot of these guys green lights, 3-0. It seems like almost everybody in that lineup set a 3-0 swing this year. I mean, at some point, we've got to start valuing. And, and again, this is a bigger conversation for a different day. But just pointing out the differences tonight, it struck me the differences in hitting approaches tonight by both teams. Tampa spit on some pitches. They had a clear plan. They were waiting for a pitch. They're not afraid to go two strikes. The Royals, when they would get ahead in the count, would swing. Bam. I'm ahead in the count. I'm going to swing. They're going to give me a fastball. They're going to give me a meat pitch. Well, it doesn't work that way, guys. Not all the time. One other thing with the offense, of course, Abanya is now mired in an 0 for 19 slump. Looks awful. Uh, let's just be real. He he doesn't look good at all right now. So give him the weekend here against Detroit. You're probably going to have to due to the injury to Alex Gore, and you're probably going to have to at least play him for one or two of the games, depending on what happens with Nori Aoki. I suppose it's possible the Royals could bring Nori back tomorrow. But Abanya is right now 42-year-old. He hasn't, I mean, he hasn't produced in over a year. It's not like he was hitting a month ago. You just don't have time right now. You're on the outskirts of a pennant race. You know, the, the, Detroit's... A half step above the Royals for sure right now, no doubt. Maybe even a step. 
So the Royals are already in the fritzes of the division race. I'm, I'm not focusing on the wild card. I, I can't even tell you how far they're back right now, the wild card. I don't care. I'm focused on Detroit right now. Because if the Royals can hang with Detroit, stay within a few games, they're always going to be there for the wild card. So four and a half back at Detroit. But, I mean, if you're going to – you've got small, small, razor small margin for error. You can't be running Raul Abanez out there longer than 10 to 14 days if he's going to look like this. He's striking out way too much. He's swinging at almost everything. His approach looks awful, too. It's almost like he's guessing up there or just intent on springing himself out of the slump he started the year in. So we'll see what happens. Again, I love Raul, and I hate I hate having to say that he shouldn't be playing because you know you don't, you don't want to tarnish somebody's legacy, and he had a pretty good one with the Royals. And you know he, he salvaged his career the first time off the off the scrap heap. The Royals even DFA'd him, I believe, twice and brought him back up. You know, stuck him through waivers, and look what happened. But that was also what 12, 13 years ago. You know, this this is you know you get the point. So we'll see what happens now. With the injuries, Alex Gordon, I'm a little confused about this because we talking about the emotional roller coaster we brought up earlier. You go from Alex Gordon, the rumors of him possibly even breaking his wrist. You know, it's sprained for sure. They're MRIing it tomorrow, so he can't hold a bat. So you've got to assume he's completely out of the game and probably out for the weekend. Probably till you would have thought from how it sounded that he was probably out until after the All Star break at best case. I mean, it, realistically, right from how the initial report sounded, but now. I have to think he didn't break it. Again, knock on wood, again. But I have to think if Alex Gordon is good enough to grip a baseball and throw it with his right hand, which he obviously is since he came in the game for defense, which seemed to shock everybody, I have to believe he maybe he didn't hopefully break it. Now, if he didn't break it, we could hope to have Alex back in there Saturday, maybe Sunday. Maybe get him for one or two games against Detroit. But either way, Abanez is going to have to play against Detroit because for sure Gordon's out tomorrow, no doubt. I mean, I would think. I can't imagine he's going to all of a sudden overnight get better from that. So I'm guessing Saturday or Sunday, best case for Gordon. Let's just hope he didn't break anything. If he didn't break anything, I have a hard time believing he won't be back by the Friday after the All-Star break. Which Is that Boston? I haven't even looked. I think they start in Boston, don't they? I don't know. After the All-Star break. So Jason Vargas, then, you find out. So first, you have people tweeting and reporting he could be out for, I saw, what did I see? I saw three to six weeks from somebody, and then all of a sudden, no, never mind. No, now it's now it's just a normal appendix, which is still a pretty... Not not serious. It's basic, you know, out one day and out surgery. But it's you know, you're a professional athlete. It's a one day and out surgery for somebody like me who sits here in a radio studio and talks to you. You know, that could be a two or three week thing for Vargas. I'm assuming the good thing is the All Star break sneaks the Royals one of his starts back. I'm assuming he misses this start, maybe one after the break, and he comes back. So I, I would say two to three starts Vargas misses. That's bad news, but it's not the end of the world. The Royals can survive two or three starts without Vargas, especially if they can get the offense going. So the Royals could, knock on wood, dodge two big bullets right there. If Gordon's MRI comes back clean, let's hope, please, keep your fingers crossed, do a little dance tonight for the injury gods. And if Vargas only misses two or three starts, then you've dodged those bullets pretty well and you can remain sane. Now, Mike Moustakis, of course, had a serious stomach virus, I would assume, He'll play again on Friday with the Royals facing Drew Smiley. So the good thing is he gets a day built in tomorrow. I'm sure he'll be fine by Friday. So you go from up and down with these injuries. You start the game down. Well, kind of up because Hosmer gets the home run. You get the 2 nothing lead on the ground out from Abania. So you're pretty up. And then Ventura's battling. Then you, they get down 4-2, and they blow more chances to score runs. I mean, before Salvi hit that home run tonight, the Royals were three for their last 19 with runners in scoring position going back to last night. So now one more thing about tonight before we move on to Detroit is I really do think that tonight could have saved the season for the Royals. Laugh all you want. I, I, I'm i kind of laughing with you. It's July. It's not even July 15th. I am aware. But we talk all the time about series and how important it is to win series. 
And this game, once again, won a series for the Royals. And, and this, let's be realistic, a four and five road trip, it doesn't bury you. It, I mean, it would have put them five and a half back at Detroit where they would have had to take three out of four. You know, had they gone to five and a half back and split with Detroit, ended up five and a half back at the break with Detroit having less games played. Detroit's probably going to gain another game or two on you if they win two or three of those less games they've played. So basically Detroit's got a six or seven game lead if you're five and a half back. At that point at the break, you're pretty much toast for Detroit. Now this game keeps you from that big swing. Now you get three out of four against Detroit. We are two and a half back. That's right there. Maybe three and a half or four with the extra games. But the point is, three out of four now with this win tonight, and the Royals are in decent shape going into the All-Star break. Decent. Not good, but decent. And they're in good shape with the wild card. If they're two and a half back at the break, you got to think they're probably within a game of the wild card. They can get their pitching set up right for the second half. Hopefully there's one move left in this in this team. Maybe one upgrade for the payroll, and I'm not talking about signing Joe Saunders, who may start on Sunday. I'm assuming it'll be him or Chen on Sunday. I'm not talking him or Scott Downs or Abanians. It'd be nice if the Royals could add somebody who, you know, <laughs> wasn't in high school 20 years ago. You know, that would be nice 25 years ago in some of these guys' cases. But we'll see. I just think it was a big hit tonight by Salvi. You had to win this series after losing two out of three to Cleveland. You face three guys in Minnesota with ERAs above five and can only win two. You lost a game against TJ House on Saturday. You lost a brutal game last night against a guy throwing straight as an arrow pitches. So they had to do this. So now let's talk about this series real quick here. Let's go over the matchups. Drew, we don't we don't need to I'm not even gonna break down numbers for Detroit pitching right now because we know these guys so well. We've seen them so many times. They're veteran guys, they're all good. Let's just kind of talk about the series a little bit. You got Drew Smiley against Jeremy Guthrie tomorrow. So Moose will be off tomorrow with a lefty-lefty. If I'm trying to think if they'll make any roster moves before tomorrow. Let's think about this for a second. No, Moose is fine. He's back. Vargas, would you 15-day DL him? No. Well, how many days would it be? The All-Star 4, 7, 8. You could 15-day DL Vargas. He'd only miss two starts. But I doubt they do that. So they probably don't make a move there. They wait until probably later in the weekend if they have to for a pitcher. And Gordon, it depends on the injury. So there's actually a decent chance they won't make any moves prior to tomorrow. If, if Gordon's MRI comes back clean, I would assume the Royals go with the same roster. So anyway, thinking out loud here. Drew Smiley against Jeremy Guthrie tomorrow. Annabelle Sanchez, Danny Duffy Friday. Porcello against Shield Saturday. Verlander against either Chen or Saunders on Sunday. So game by game. Tomorrow night, if you're first of all, the goal needs to be three out of four. Worst case, two out of two. Two out of two, two and two. But three out of four needs to be the realistic goal. If you're chasing Detroit and you're going to make up the ground, they've got a decent head start on you. You had a horrible May, disappointing road trip to me. Five and four is borderline good, but it's still disappointing to me. Six and three is what I wanted. But you got to win three out of four. If you're going to win three out of four, you got to win tomorrow. Drew Smiley against Jeremy Guthrie. Guthrie needs to rebound from a tough outing in Cleveland. I believe he will. Give the Royals a chance to win. I, I like their chances tomorrow. So if you're going to win three out of four, got to win tomorrow. Annabel Sanchez against Danny Duffy, you got to win on Friday. You're going to have to steal Friday because at some point you're going to have to start hitting Annabel Sanchez. The Royals cannot touch him. Their last three outings have gotten completely handcuffed. They need to finally touch up Annabel Sanchez. Hopefully you'll get – I mean, you should have Mike Moustakas back that night, the left-handed bat. I don't know if Abanians is still struggling. Do you go to Aoki there? I don't know. Go Dyson, I don't know. What about Gordon? Is Gordon back on Friday against Sanchez? Maybe. That would help. So there's kind of a, you know, I don't know. That game on Friday, you're going to have to win it if you're going to win three out of four. So I'm telling you what they have to do to get to three out of four right now, and I'll tell you what I think will probably happen next. Now, Saturday, Porcello against Shields have to win. You have to win the first three, guys, because Sunday you ain't winning against – I hate to say you ain't because it's baseball, but you're probably not winning with Bruce Chen or Joe Saunders against 
Justin and Verlander. I know the Royals let up Verlander like a Christmas tree. I know he doesn't have it anymore compared to what he used to be, but do you really think Bruce Chen or Joe Saunders do against the Tigers lineup? Two soft-tossing southpaws against? No, no. To me, Sunday is a throwaway game. I mean, not a throwaway game. You're not. You're going to try to win it, but to me, it's a game you're probably not going to win. So you're going to have to have, if you're planning on winning a three out of four, you got to win the first three. If you're going to split, which is probably going to happen, I'm going to predict the split in this series. I think the Royals will win tomorrow against Smiley. They'll lose against Sanchez. They'll win against Porcello, and they'll lose. I think they'll go win-loss, win-loss in this series. Most likely, it's a two-and-two two series, which puts them four-and-a-half back of Detroit. And, again, which really means probably five or six back in Detroit. So that puts them, again, pretty much on the fritz of it. They're still in it, but it's going to be tough. Had they lost tonight and split, they'd be pretty much out of it in my book. With what At that point, we have, what, 72 games left in the second half, something like that? 73, whatever it is. So, again, the goal is three out of four. If they're going to do that, they've got to win the first three. Now, of course, it's possible they could go out there and – you know, it could be like a Kevin Apier in 2003 against the Yankees when he was throwing 84 and getting guys out and the Royals won. And, of course, it's possible they could light up Verlander and somebody could have a great game on Sunday. Again, you know, and they've got the, uh, the all-star break the next four days. So you unload the whole bullpen to get that win. I mean, it's possible, but realistically, they need the next three games. Let's just let's just win tomorrow. Let's take it one game at a time against Detroit. Guthrie against Smiley. If you're going to have a good series, you probably got to win tomorrow. Because if you lose tomorrow, you're probably losing Sunday. And at that point, you've got Sanchez and Porcello on Friday and Saturday. You win tomorrow, you can at least do some things and have a hope of winning three out of four and have a good chance at splitting. So we'll have it here for you on Clubhouse Conversation. Thanks for listening to this. Hopefully everything made sense. We went over a lot tonight. There was a lot to talk about. In summary, in my opinion... I mean, it's pretty obvious. The biggest win of the year tonight for the Royals. Biggest hit from Salvador Perez. A game that keeps them at least in it. You know, I, I just, I, 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 I just, Steve Fiziak on TV made a good point tonight when he said it towards the end. You know, Rex Hudler, there's there's a, a game or two a year that you look back at a playoff team and you say that game really got him going. Well, we already saw one in Toronto. Well, that Toronto game with the error at shortstop by Reyes that got the Royals a win there kind of started things off when they had their major backs against the wall in that game. Remember that going into that series after that May and they had to have at least a minimum of a split in that and they were about to lose that game. So that kind of started the last hot streak. You know, I'm not predicting a hot streak right now, 10 in a row or 15 of 20 or anything, but this could be the second game. This is kind of that second signature game of the year that you'll remember. You'll remember that game in Toronto and you could easily remember this game today in Tampa. So we'll talk to you again tomorrow night. Clubhouse conversation. Have a good night and go Royals.